Welcome to another edition of the Morning Devotional. My name is Pastor William Hill. I'm the pastor of Providence Presbyterian Church located in Evansville, Indiana. Today is Friday, January 20th, 2023. And this is edition number 10 of season 8. We are working our way through the Westminster Confession of Faith. This morning we're going to consider the second part of paragraph 1 of chapter 2 as we deal with God and of the Holy Trinity. But let's pray first and then we'll consider uh, some of these matters that are contained within this opening paragraph of chapter 2. Let's pray. Father, as we now come to your word and we come to these very important matters that teach us about you and how you have revealed yourself to your people, we would pray for the greatest of grace and strength to help us to uh, not only uh, learn uh, more about you as you have revealed yourself in your word, but that we would also apply these things uh, to our lives. We pray for the greatest of grace and that you, by your Spirit, would teach us and help us. Uh, even now, we ask for Christ's sake. Amen. Well, in yesterday's edition, we considered matters uh, all the way up to the phrase where it says that, he is, that God is most free and most absolute. We're obviously in the middle of a, a very detailed section that describes and is discussing uh, the matter of the one true and living God as revealed to us in the Scriptures. Today we're going to consider a, 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 another section from this paragraph. We're not going to complete this. We will, uh, Lord willing, complete this um, <clears throat> on the Monday edition. We'll complete this opening paragraph. I just want to check and verify that for you. Um, so yes, we will, um, we will consider on the Monday edition, we will consider part three of the opening paragraph before we move to paragraph number uh, two. And so we read there, uh, beginning right in the middle of the paragraph, where it says, "...working all things according to the counsel of his own immutable and most righteous will for his own glory, most loving, gracious, merciful, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin." That's as far as we'll go this morning as we consider these matters. Just first considering the phrase, working all things according to the counsel of his own immutable and most righteous will. Now in Ephesians chapter 1, uh, we read of this uh, matter, we read of this, um, uh, the, the biblical support for this statement that is given to us in the Westminster Confession of Faith. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 11, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him, who works all things according to the counsel of his will. This is almost a direct quote here in this paragraph. But what does this mean for us as we consider that God does work all things according to the counsel of his own immutable and most righteous will? And he does that for his own glory. Uh, Proverbs chapter 16 uh, gives us again one of the proof texts of the confession is, and I'm looking this up, just a, just a comment about the Westminster Confession. There's various versions of it out there. There are some that just have the text itself, and then there are others in which the one I'm using has not only the text, but the proof texts that go with it. And the proof text in the version I am using uh, has the verses written out uh, word for word so that you can just see them right there at the bottom of the page. You don't even have to open your Bible necessarily, but Anyway, Proverbs 16, verse 4, How is it, why is it that God works all things according to the counsel of his own will? The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Now, 
God does all things for his glory. He is most concerned, of course, with his glory, and that ought to be the concern of every professing Christian. We want the glory of God. We're not uh, as interested in our own um, successes or even our own benefits necessarily, especially if those do not bring glory to God. So we want God's glory, regardless of what that may what that may uh, do to us. Uh, you think of the uh, various martyrs throughout the history of Christianity in which they lost their lives, but yet it brought God glory because he is determined, he is uh, he has planned, he has purposed to work these things according to the counsel of his own immutable and most righteous will. Now, when we think of all things, we are thinking of everything. We are thinking of every pedantic detail that has happened to you, even this day, this morning, as you got up, that what you've had for breakfast, what clothes you chose to put on your back, um, the plans and purposes you have for this day, and, and I trust you make those kinds of plans. Uh, uh, determinations each day, but the fact is, is that God has immutably ch- uh, decreed all that will happen. That's to say, they do not change. Of course, all of them uh, bathed in His most holy and righteous will, and He does it for His glory. But it's also important to remember that He does it also for the good of the people of God, for His people. And so, as we see how God unfolds our day before us and we recognize his hand of providence in every circumstance that comes to us, uh, we should stop and give praise and glory uh, to the God of heaven for the way in which he watches over us, the way he w- ways in which he cares for us, and the way in which he orders these things, doing it in such a way that he will be glorified, but also the church helped, you helped, as he conforms you more and more even to the image of Christ. He does all of these things for his own glory, a God who is most loving, gracious, merciful, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. So this most holy God who decrees all things and immutably brings them to pass, those things that will not change, they will certainly happen, is a God who is one who is most loving. Now, 1 John chapter 4 discusses this. It it says most clearly there that God is indeed love. 1 John 4, 8, anyone who does not love God, uh, does not love, does not know God because God is love. And in such, he demonstrates his love to his people because he has given, has offered his son to us. It's very important to realize that Christ did not come to secure the love of the Father for us, but he came to prove the love of the Father for us. That may seem like a very subtle difference, but it is a huge difference because God's love is eternal. It is that which never had a beginning for you, and it never will have an end for you. God is not fickle. God does not change his mind. He does not look down upon us and see us doing things that displease him, and then he decides not to love us anymore. Um, His love is not dependent upon your behavior or my behavior. It is indeed dependent upon the behavior of Christ. And so Christ came to prove the Father's love to us. Now, he is most concerned with his own glory, and so that is where it all emanates or it all begins. And then it's expressed to the creatures through his acts of kindness that he offers to us, a God who is gracious who gives to us what we do not deserve, 
Now, whether you're a Christian or not, you, uh, you enjoy this aspect of the eternal God. For the Christian, it's uh, common grace. We experience the simple things and the simple uh, ordinary things of life, the food that we put in our stomach, the air we breathe, the relationships we have, the church we attend. All of these various things are acts of grace of a kind and loving Father. He does that also to his creation, to his creatures, and I prefer to call that a common benevolence because I'm convinced that Scripture uniquely refers to God's grace as it apply, is applied to the Christian. But in either case, God is a God of grace. He has not given us, he, has, he, he gives us indeed what we don't deserve. Even the most reprobate of this world enjoy, have eaten, uh, they have water to drink, they enjoy the, the, the sun that shines in the, in the sky and the rain that falls to water the earth. These things are benefits that they have. Many people have jobs, employment, and they have transportation. They have nice homes to go to. Whatever the case may be, these are acts of God's grace. For if he were to give us what we deserve, undoubtedly, it would be awful. It would be his eternal wrath, his eternal judgment. A God who is merciful. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. He does not treat me as my sins deserve. And instead, he is merciful to us, even as the tax collector would cry out, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. God who is patient with us, who abounds in goodness and, and, and truth. God is indeed the God of truth. And all Christians then therefore should be concerned with the truth. And he's a God who forgives sin. He delights in the forgiveness of sin. Whenever you and I sin, we can go to our Father in heaven who is just righteous and who will indeed can forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness and every time we do sin and frankly brothers and sisters you cannot out sin the grace and mercy of God he is gracious to his people and he's pleased to forgive us to forgive our iniquities our transgressions and our sins there was a time in the life of Israel in which they had committed a very heinous act they had fashioned an idol in the form of a golden calf in Exodus chapter 32. And God was angry uh, with them for this particular breach of covenant and violation of the law that was given in Exodus chapter 20. But in Exodus 34, as Moses is there on the mountain pleading with God for the sake of the people, acting as a type of Christ, really as a mediator, we read something of the character of God. And it's really remarkable passage because God himself is speaking. And we read there in verse 5, the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there, proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him, that's Moses, and proclaimed. Now this is the God of heaven speaking. He's about to tell Moses who he is, what he is made of, what, what it is about his nature, his character, his attributes. He's about to give him some of these to Moses. And what does he say? He says, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. This is your God. And so, brothers and sisters, when you violate God's law, when you sin against Him, sure, you should grieve it. You should mourn the reality of indwelling sin. You should mourn those breach of covenant and those, bre- those times where you, you violate God's law. Uh, you, you should uh, feel that weight. But as you turn that to a pleading and humili- a, a pleading 
um, humble act of uh, seeking God's forgiveness, he is pleased every single time to give it to his children. This is our God. This is who we serve, a God who is gracious and merciful to us, a God who is one who is pleased to forgive us. There's no God like our God, God who is abundantly kind to his children. And so we stand in awe of him. We think of his beauty and his majesty, and we think of these things, and we ponder them, and it brings comfort and help to our weary souls, and it causes us then for, at least it should, to go forth and serve him all the more, pleading with him for the help necessary to do these things that he has told us to do. For if you love me, you will keep my commandments, Jesus said. And then we do that. As ones who have received God's eternal love, we turn in, in, in zeal and desire to give to the God of heaven what he demands of us. Well, I trust these times are helpful for you. I hope they are. If you have any comments or questions, you can leave me a note. The way to reach me is there before you on the screen. And so until the Monday edition, when we complete this paragraph, paragraph one of chapter two, may the Lord help you today to walk in his ways, to reflect upon his goodness and his kindness, his mercy to you, that you might give thanks to him for not treating you as you deserve. And instead, you might turn to him in praise and worship the real, the true God, the living and true God of heaven and earth. God bless.